0: Ministry Bits, episode 008, recorded March 10th, 2014. Teaching parents about digital parenting. Show notes for this episode can be found at chadl.co slash mbits slash 008. Be sure to email me with comments or questions directly at chad.landman at gmail.com. Follow Ministry Bits on Twitter at twitter.com slash ministrybits. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ministrybits. And listen to us on the AIM Network at aimthenetwork.com or on the Adventures in Ministry app in the App Store and Google Play stores. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. You may delete as appropriate. Hi, I'm Chad Landman, and I'm the host of the Ministry Bits podcast here. And this is a podcast about how to empower ministers and youth ministers and church workers and parents and all other people that want to use technology for the benefit of the kingdom of God. This is your podcast. And we're talking about tools and we're talking about ways of doing things and workflows. And last week we had uh, Terry Gillum on the show and he... uh, Did an outstanding job. We were very, very happy to have him, and it was uh, a great discussion about technology. We talked about brother typewriters with little LCD screens on them. I didn't even know those existed anymore, and you can actually buy those on Amazon. I'm not even joking. You can actually buy them on Amazon. Go look it up. I know you're, like, looking it up right now if you're sitting at your desk. Don't look it up while you're driving. Don't do that. That would be bad. Anyway, uh, we we were really, really happy to have him on the show last week. Um, Terry was is a youth and family minister up in uh, Lafayette I always want to say Lafayette But it's a Lafayette Church of Christ in Lafayette, Tennessee And you should go check out his stuff Go listen to that podcast if you, di- if you didn't, by the way And uh, go listen to the one before that, Jerry Elder Who we talked about from some perspectives in technology Really, really great stuff So um, we wanted to change gears a little bit And we, we kind of do this We've got this alternating current kind of thing going on here We've got a guest on one show and we've got a, uh, a me just sitting here blabbing on on the next show and then guest me blabbing guest me so I like to do that I, I kind of like the format what do you think let me let me know send me an email Landman at gmail.com send me an email and I'd love to talk to you about that and um again sorry if I sound a little stuffy um, I just you know got that stuff going on you know everybody does this time of year because it's spring yay it's spring and And there's pollen, so, you know, great. Um, It's going to be like 72 degrees today. and um, Well, actually, no, it's not going to be 72 today. It's going to be 72 tomorrow, and uh, the local high school team plays their first baseball game. So it's going to be pretty great. It's going to be a great day at the ballpark. But anyway, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, teaching parents about active digital parenting. Now, notice I didn't say active digital parenting by itself. This is actually specifically catered for ministers and youth ministers. I was uh, very privileged last week and very honored to speak at the revival uh, youth minister retreat in Columbia, Tennessee, at Gray Mirror Church Christ. And a uh, great, great, by the way, uh, a platform, a great um, revival retreat for youth ministers. If you're not, if you're from the Middle Tennessee area and you're not going, you're wrong. Okay, uh, I can understand those guys down in Alabama and Southern Alabama. Even we had we had a ton of guys from North Alabama. We had some guys from. tuscaloosa come up i mean it was great so if there's no excuse uh take two or three days off from your busy schedule and go be edified it was unbelievable when i say edified i know that sounds old but it was absolutely incredible i got to hear from some older guys john dale did a fantastic job talking about practical stuff about how to um, deal with your minister you know the the guy that you work with every single day how to how to how to encourage him, how to build him up. It was great. It was wonderful. So check that out. Get in contact with uh, Craig Evans at Spring Hill Church Christ. Get in contact with um, let's see who else. Oh Chris Webb, Chris Webb, get in contact with him at Graymere Church Christ. Get in contact with one of those guys and, and they will absolutely hook you up. Uh, I think it's 75 bucks to go, but it's absolutely outstanding. So, digital parenting. Uh, over the course of the last year, I have used a similar curriculum to what I'm about to present to you today uh, on what I've called, tentatively called, active digital parenting. And this is a short four-lesson curriculum. It's designed to empower, designed to encourage parents, while at the same time informing them of the dangers of, of internet usage, app usage, smartphone usage among their children, uh, and sometimes even among their spouses and relatives. Uh, this is a unique course. Uh, I have presented it at many church congregations and and I'm going to present it at many more uh, this this year. And it is a very needed thing. and we're going to talk about some practical things about how you can take the material that I'm going to offer and or anybody offers for that matter. I hate to even put myself put it put this subject in a box there. I barely scratched the surface with some of this stuff. If you will head over to chadl.co slash downloads. If you head over to chadl.co slash downloads, you'll see, first of all, my new downloads page. Uh, I'm going to try to make it a little bit more graphically pleasing and kind of combine all the elements on one page with classes and devotionals and books and sermons and stuff like that. That you can all download for free, which is great, uh, because free is wonderful. And you can look at these Resources and you can download the slides. You can download this lesson that I'm actually going to teach to you this morning. And and I I, I hate it if this sounds a little preachy today, but uh, I believe this is a subject that people need to hear about. And I thought, hey, what better way to put it in a podcast, uh, one of my podcast episodes, because it's about technology. It's all about technology, and this is one of the most uh, needed things that we need to talk about in technology is protecting our kids. So, parents, if you're a parent. Parents no longer have the luxury of parenting in one place anymore. You know, 25 years ago, parents didn't have to worry about the Internet. It just wasn't there. They didn't have smartphones or Twitter or Facebook to worry about. All they had to do was make sure the kids weren't watching uh, bad stuff on television, not playing violent video games. And even then, violent video games, somebody pointed out to me on Thursday, they weren't even really prevalent back then either. But times have changed, haven't they? Now, to be an active, effective, digital parent, you got to see all sides of what your kids are doing, both on and off the Internet. Uh, parents need a little help from youth, youth ministers like us. Um, and, you know, ministers, you can also do this as well. You can also help out as well. We should never be a replacement for good parenting, but we should at least be a supplement and a resource for that parenting. We need to realize what kind of situation parents are in. The first question that you have to ask yourself here is why. Why should I even care about this stuff? Uh, why should I be concerned about these things? I don't understand Facebook. I don't understand Twitter. I don't want to understand Twitter. Why do you need, as ministers and youth ministers, talk to, to talk to parents about this stuff? Um, odds are we understand, as, as ministers and youth ministers, we might have a better grasp of social media. Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those different other things. We may understand Snapchat. We may understand these different things. And for some reason, it seems easier to educate ourselves than it is to explain these things to parents. I want to throw out a Bible verse here to you. Psalm 127.1. Go ahead and read it. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those that build it labor in vain. That means that building godly homes and godly families should be our first priority because we know that everything leans back. If you're in youth ministry or ministry, you know that everything goes back to what? The home. Everything goes back to the home. And as youth workers, we are assistants to mothers and fathers to help them build godly homes. And if God isn't building the home, then this verse says it doesn't matter what you're doing. God's not building the house doesn't matter what you're doing. So why is this important? Why should we educate and empower our parents to take back the internet for their kids? Well, this is an important point to make here. Your parents' children, the, the people in your congregations, they're made up of families. And those families, those people have lives online. And for parents, the question is, your kids have lives online. Do you know what they're doing? I love going into this and talking about this. Kids that have been born in the last decade, and even maybe a little even beyond that, will never know a world without the internet. That's crazy to think of. They'll never know a world without smartphones, without social networks. They'll never know what it's, not, what it's like to be not constantly connected. They will never know dial-up. America Online. Never know pay phones on the side of the street, or what it's like to not be constantly connected. I want you to imagine for a second that you took an iPhone back to your town a hundred years ago. You went back to twenty—I mean, sorry, 1914, like Downton Abbey times, right? You went back to Downton Abbey times with an iPhone, okay, and it worked and everything just fine and everything like that. And, and that's beside the point how that how that happens, but anyway. It works and it pulls up stuff on the internet. You can pull up knowledge. You can look up Google stuff. You can pull up videos. You can take a video. You can take pictures. You can do all these other different things. And these people would literally think that they're seeing things. They think it was magic. They think you were like a sorcerer or something. And you'd say, with this device, I can access the wealth of all human knowledge. You'd say something profound like that, right? And then they would ask, well, what do you use it for? Or if you're in Downton Abbey, they'd say, well, what do you use it for? And you say, I use it to look at cat pictures. You see, the point I'm trying to make here is that we're literally putting devices like iPhones and iPads in our children's hands. They can literally access the wealth of all human knowledge. I don't think we understand that. They literally have the world able to access in their hands. So the big question is, is, do you know what they're doing? We need to ask parents this. We need to ask ourselves this. Do you manage those things? Are you involved in those things? Are your parents educated and involved in it? Some parents you know can say yes to this question. Some of the parents that you know are relentless about invading their child's online life. They invade their privacy. They keep them safe from other people and sometimes even from themselves. Some of them can say no. Some of the parents that you know have to say no. They they have no idea what their child is doing online. Navigating apps and social media might as well be, as, as Ralph Gilmore put it, rocket surgery to them. What I've found in practical experience in dealing with parents is that most parents fall into both categories a little bit. They've tried their hand at management. They've failed, maybe, or maybe they've succeeded. But they've ultimately got too busy to deal with it or they got overwhelmed, or they got tired of doing it, because it's a lot to keep up with. The one thing that we need to remember about talking to parents is that sometimes, and more often than you think, you're talking to a parent who is just tired, who is just beat down and, and ready to give up and overwhelmed. I talked with a woman the other day. I won't say what church she's from. She's not from Church Street, but I I talked to the woman the other day, member of the church, child and in, in involved in some bad things, and she was beside herself. She had no idea what to do. I've only been a parent for two years, two and a half. About to be a second, my parent two times over. I have a wonderful little son named Jacob, and but even he uses technology. We have an iPad, and he plays with it on some... Fisher-Price apps. He's able to navigate and show us what video he wants to play because he watches videos sometimes with it. But Jacob will grow up in a different world than even I did 20 years ago. He will grow up in a different world than just your kids are growing up in now. So when he's 14, 16, 18 years old, what am I going to do to protect him? What am I going to do to protect my family from all the dangers? There's a few things that we Need to make parents re- realize. I got a few bullet points here, as we're as we're going to continue on here. Number one is that we can never use the excuse that we didn't know. Back in 2008, in my first year of ministry, I was simply not aware. And you can make all the jokes you want to, but I was not aware of the implications that taxes had to a minister. It's around. It's getting around tax time right now. It's something to talk about, right? I wouldn't go. I'm not going to go too much into detail, but if you're not a minister or a youth minister listening to this, and, and you don't know, taxes in, for a minister in this country are different from everyone else. Uh, there's there's quarterly payments, there's housing allowances, there's social security things. There's my taxes are always a complete disaster, and that's why I pay a professional, a couple of hundred dollars a year to do them for me. That was not always the case, though. Back in 2009 was my first year of youth, or for 2008 was my first full year of ministry, and I had about a four thousand dollar mistake. And my excuse was, I didn't know. How sympathetic do you think the IRS was? When we deal with our kids and when we deal with our parents, we cannot use the excuse and parents cannot use the excuse that we didn't, I didn't know. We can't just blow off the new thing that the kids are doing or saying or watching or whatever, the new internet meme that week. We can't just say, well, I don't know anything about that. I'm not going to fiddle around with that. I'll leave that to the kids. That may be the worst thing that parents can do. So we need to tell parents this, that your lack of involvement will be to your child's detriment. Choosing to not be involved in this means that you are choosing literally to let your child run wild on the Internet. The second thing we need to tell parents is that your child does not yet have the experience and willpower to keep themselves in check on the Internet. You know, we don't trust our children to drive cars until they're 16. We don't trust anybody to drive a car until they're 16, and because we as a society have made the judgment that you cannot be responsible or aware enough to handle a 2,000-pound vehicle until you are that age. So why are we giving 10-year-olds unprotected and unlocked iPhones? Why are we allowing our kids to surf the web on an unprotected browser or computer? Why are we not watching as closely as we can to help our children mature and grow and use the internet wisely as a tool? Is it because we don't want to invade their privacy? I have parents all the time that come to me and say, Well, I don't know about my kids' privacy. Let me be blunt with you for for a second. We need to make it abundantly clear to parents that their kids do not deserve or rate their own privacy. I'm sorry. And I think that most of you would agree with me on that. If you have a child with an iPhone or an iPad or with no parental controls set, then you're asking for trouble. If you have a home computer that's not locked down with parental controls, you're also writing a recipe for disaster. The thing we need to realize is that we need to be guides. As parents, as youth ministers, we need to hold their hands a little bit. Think about it. We restrict every other part of growing up for our kids. Don't touch the stove. Don't walk in there. Don't play bad video games. Don't watch this. Don't watch that. But yet the internet to us sometimes, and not all cases, but sometimes is an oversight. It's like turning them loose on a giant playground and never watching what they do and never expecting them to get hurt. It may just seem like another thing to worry about, but we must protect our protect our children and ourselves From all the bad stuff on the internet, and and speaking of bad things, there's a lot more bad on the internet than good. And the chances of your children and your youth groups even innocently stumbling across something bad are actually very good. It's estimated that over 60% of the internet is pornography. 60%. Um, This means that 6 out of every 10 websites are dedicated to to pornography. The likelihood of your child accessing one of those sites is actually pretty good. Anybody. One in five, listen to this, one in five mobile searches made on a mobile device are for porn. 24% of smartphone users admit to having some form of porn on their phone. A few quotes here from some doctors who have a lot more qualifications than I do. Adolescents who view pornography feel shame, diminished self-confidence, and sexual uncertainty. It's Dr. Patrick Fagan. He's the director of Marriage and Religion Research the Marriage and Religion Research Institute. Porn use for our youth is a greater threat to our national well-being than our economy. If you get connected with porn early in life, it alters your ability to relate. That's Dale Cooney. He's the Chair of Ethics, Economics, and Common Good at St. Anselm College. A significant relationship exists between frequent pornography use and the feelings of loneliness, including major depression in adolescence. That's Michelle Yabara. She's the president of Internet Solutions for Kids. And then this last one is probably the worst. It'll make us feel the worst at least. Parents are the weak link in the chain when it comes to protecting their children. That's Donna Hughes. She's the president and CEO of Of enough is enough a few more statistics here to absolutely scare you to death the average age of the first exposure to internet pornography is 11 years old I had somebody tell me that they had read a a bunch of other studies this is a Barna study they had read a bunch of other studies that actually said that that was closer to seven or eight years old 90% of children ages 8 to 16 have viewed pornography online most while doing homework. 90%. Why do you think that is? Most while doing homework. I've also read that most internet things that are found that are bad, most bad internet decisions occur between the hours of 3.30 p.m. and 5 p.m. Why do you think that is? Well, the parents are not home from work yet. The parents are still at work and the kids get home from school and they're supposed to be doing their homework and they're not. If you want to check out the slides, I've got a ton of other statistics that I can throw out you to depress you but it's amazing. Go look at the slides at chadel.co slash downloads. I'll have them there for you. Number three thing that we need to tell our parents and that we do need to realize it ourselves is there is no such thing as privacy anymore. There really isn't. Privacy, at least on the internet, is an illusion. And when I say these things coming up, I'm not doing this for like a shock factor. I'm telling you these because they are true. Right now, anyone with a computer and the right tools and knowledge can get any information about you that they want. And as radical as this sounds, we need to forget the idea that we are Google's customer or Facebook's customer. We're the product. Uh, these companies are selling advertising to us based upon using our data to sell internet marketing and companies, and, and they're making billions on us. And we're the product, not the, cu- not the customer. So they're the new thing, the new-ish thing, I guess. I, I say it's a new thing, but it's not really a new thing anymore, but it's still a thing that the kids use every day. It's Snapchat. Ministers and youth ministers, you need to tell parents to take a hard, hard look at this app. Teenagers love this app because of the privacy aspect. Ten seconds after the photo comes to the, to the app, it's deleted. And that's the thing that kids has, has kids flocking to this app is because there's no way a parent can check on what's been received and what's been sent in this app. Snapchat was originally designed as a sexting app. This, that, that comes from the founders who were talking about it. It was meant to be used to send nude pictures back and forth from accounts. Even the creators of the app admit this. But here again, this is where privacy is an illusion. How do you think those photos get to and from one mobile device to the other? Well, think about the process here. And I've got this on the PowerPoint, and you can show this to parents. Think about the process here. First, your iPhone or iPod or iPad or whatever has to download the account. There you go. Apple has your information about what you've downloaded so far. That's the privacy has already gone out the window. Just you downloading the app, not even use it. Okay, they already know what you're a Snapchat user. Okay, you sign up for an account, boom, Snapchat has your information. How is that private? Second, when you send a photo to another person with the app, you're sending it through a minimum of about six different servers, okay? You've got your internet service provider or your cell phone provider's tower that it's going to. You've got servers that go regional servers and area servers, and then you've got local servers that it goes through, and then Snapchat servers. And then eventually, in the span of a few seconds, it makes it back to your friend's device. And all that... Don't you think someone can intercept that data if they wanted to? I equate privacy, and and there is no such thing. I'm trying to, to make the example here that there is no such thing as privacy. Okay? I equate the privacy argument to the bucket of feathers illustration. If you take a bucket of feathers out on a very windy day, you could be Usain Bolt and you wouldn't catch all those feathers again. You might get some of them back. You might get most of them back. But odds are you won't get all of them back. When we put something out on the web, and sometimes even adults need to realize this, whether it's a status update or a tweet or a photo on a private social network like Snapchat, it is out there. And there's nothing we can do about to get it back. Kids need to realize this. Parents need to realize this. If you're going to be an active digital parent, you have to manage this. So, as we're kind of rounding out the podcast, I know I've been talking to you for a little bit longer than usual. But we're going to talk about three practical things that you can tell parents about how to be a better active digital parent. Number one is be informed. Uh, There is so much information on this topic out there. uh, that I am not reinventing the wheel here with this active digital parenting stuff, Okay. I may be the guy talking about it, but I'm not reinventing the wheel about it. There's tips, tutorials, tricks. There's all sorts of things. There's apps. There's programs that you can put on your computer to watch your kids. I'd invite you to go download the info pack on chatelco slash downloads. Man, I'm really plugging that today, huh? But I invite you to go download that. It's free. It's got lots of different resources. Be informed. Remember, we can never say that we didn't know. Number two is you need to tell parents to to be where your children are. Simply put, if your children are on Facebook, then you should be on Facebook. Your children are on Twitter. Even if you don't know what Twitter is, you should still be on Twitter. And remember, once again, saying I don't know or I don't fiddle with that stuff is not going to be an excuse when you find out that your child has been doing bad things behind your back on the Internet. I like to give parents this important reminder. Just remember that you are the parent, and you do make the rules. Your child does not make the rules. If they cannot abide by those rules, then they won't get to go on that particular site. If they don't want you following them or friending them or watching what they do on that particular social network, then they won't have the privilege to use that particular social network. We have to be where our kids are. For me, it's Facebook. I absolutely despise Facebook. I don't like it. I've been on it since it was created. I just, I don't like it. But because I'm a youth minister, I need to use it out of necessity. I use it to stay in contact with kids. I actually use it to stay in more contact with parents these days because kids aren't on Facebook. They're on Twitter, and that's an important point to make as well. Kids will always gravitate towards where their parents are not. We need to be cognizant of that. Just when we start to get catching on to something. Hey, Facebook. All right. Kids are not on Facebook anymore. They've all flocked to Twitter and Snapchat and all sorts of different things. But every Monday morning when I go sit down at my desk, I I have a church street youth group kind of page thing or list that I look at. And I have the same thing on Twitter and same thing on different stuff and everything. And if I see something bad or serious or something that kids shouldn't be doing, I flag it. I take a screenshot. I contact the parents. No questions asked. And I've had a lot of conversations with parents. You cannot depend on someone like me, though, at your congregation to watch out for your kids. Parents must be where their children are. We must take responsibility for this entire life that they're living online through websites and social networks and apps. Number three, third practical thing here, is be involved. I know that sounds a lot like be informed, but it's not. You need to ask your parents, when's the last time you talked to your son or daughter about drugs or alcohol or sex? If you're a good parent, those awkward conversations probably happen very often. But when was the last time that you talked to them about being safe on the web? Or what videos they're watching on YouTube or what apps they're downloading and how they're using them? The good news For this, and I know I've kind of sounded down all day, but the good news is that all of this is manageable. It's completely manageable if you stay on top of it. Technology moves at the speed of light. You know that. And it's a constant battle to stay one step ahead and manage your kids online, but you have to be involved. So today, what can you do today? What can you start off and do today? I've got A couple of different things, and we're going to round out the podcast here, about things that you can do today to start off with. You can tell your parents. You can put this in your bulletin if you want. You can tell your parents today. This is the things that they can do to start being a more active digital parent. Number one, when you go home, and this applies for anybody, when you go home today, make a list of devices that access the Internet in your home. You may be actually very surprised at what can access. Think about all of them. Your son's iPod Touch, your daughter's Kindle Fire, Your own mobile phones, your laptop in the living room, your DVR, your television set can even get on the internet by itself now. Are we even aware of what devices we are in our home? That starts out making the plan here. Number two is have your main computer exist in a public area like the kitchen or the living room. I don't even know if this is a relevant one anymore. Because we've got iPads, we've got iPhones, we've got mobile devices that can be taken anywhere and so we need to make sure that those devices are locked down. We need to make, show, uh, make, make sure that, that that happens. Number three is we need to take up all devices at bedtime. Uh, your children should not be texting their friends at 2 in the morning, nor should they be watching YouTube videos to go to sleep. Um, that's, that's my opinion, but, I mean, you take it as you need it. Does your child use an iPhone or an iPod, iPod as an alarm? Like an alarm to get up in the morning. Good news, that's what alarm clocks are made for. Keep the phone by your bedside to ensure they don't come and grab it, because they will. I've had parents tell me, well, I found a text message from 2 o'clock in the morning, him texting some, some girl or whatever. Yeah, they came into their parents' room, got the phone, texted some people, went back in there and put it back up. Kids will do unbelievable smart things sometimes. And the last thing right here is we need to look for previous evidence. There's something called a browser history on your internet browser, and if you suspect, and even if you don't, that your child has been looking at things they shouldn't, go check the internet history. Um, if the internet history is blank pretty often, if it's gone every two, three, four, or five days, odds are somebody has erased it somehow, and your child has, has done that. As much as I hate to admit it, we can no longer assume that our children are being good and responsible on the Internet. We certainly can't assume that everybody around them is being good and responsible on the Internet. It is our job to protect them. We need to realize how little parents know sometimes. Some parents are very adept at what their kids are doing on the Internet. Most are not. We must never assume that parents know how to download apps, how to check websites, how to peruse the Internet and check up on their kids. We need to give parents the tools to work with. That's what I'm trying to do here. Being a parent is hard enough without having to hunt for ways to stay on top of being a digital parent. As youth ministers, we need to provide them with the tools that help them stay on top of this stuff. One thing I really think that's very important is that we don't need to keep the truth from parents. We we need to remember that we are the youth minister, not the parent. Uh, A parent has a right to know that their child is acting up on the Internet. We need to have a strict policy in place so that if this stuff is happening, that there is no tolerance. We report that activity directly to the parents. And I think I've, I've told you we need to explain to parents how important this is and how to encourage them to be just relentless. Some parents don't get it. Some don't want to get it because they may not understand it. Um... If we're putting the entire knowledge of the world into our kids' hands in the forms of iPhones and iPads, we've got to have them locked down. Uh, we need to encourage them to be relentless because if kids knew that their parents or that their youth minister is watching what they're doing on, our, on their devices and on their accounts and on their different things that they do, they might be less likely to act up. Kids find loopholes in everything. We know this, okay? So if your congregation... Um, well, let me, let me I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that after we pray here. I always like to have a prayer at the end of our podcast. And I know this hasn't been a typical podcast today, but um, we're going to pray for, for our parents. We're going to pray for our, us as youth ministers and ministers to help influence those parents, to help encourage those parents. Um, let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for this wonderful day that you've blessed us with. Thank you so much that you've allowed us to be in the positions that we're in in our churches in your kingdom, Lord. Please help us as, as we struggle every day as parents ourselves sometimes and and we help our parents and our youth groups. Help us to find the tools and use the things that are good to keep our kids safe online. We thank you so much for the opportunity that we've given, been given as parents and that we've been given as ministers and youth ministers to help those parents out. And we'd ask you to, us for, to be responsible, to be knowledgeable, and to be exactly what we can be for our groups of parents at our congregations. Help us to always overcome temptation. Help us to always look to you for answers. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this prayer. Amen. If your congregation would like to host an active digital parenting seminar, I have a curriculum and I am available to do so. I've taught this four-hour curriculum with a lot of great success. Uh, at about half a dozen churches so far. I've got another about half a dozen scheduled for this year. Uh, If you want to empower parents to take back the internet, this is a great way to do it. I'd love to come talk. You can email me at chad.laman at gmail.com, text me at 931-652-4252, or you can also check out our active digital parenting resources at chadl.co slash downloads, and there will be more resources on that page Once I get time to uh, put them on there. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. We'll be back next week. And um, thank you so much. Go out and uh, give glory to God.